thank you so much for joining the Faith Chapel podcast. Wherever you may be joining us from, we hope that you know that you are loved and that this message encourages you throughout your week. Well, as you've already heard, today is Pentecost Sunday. When I say Pentecost, some of you are so new to church and this whole thing, and you're like, what is that? Well, I'm glad you're here because we're gonna talk about that today. And when I say Pentecost or Pentecostal, for some of you, that is a season or a moment in time or a great time in your life where God was moving and doing great things, and it elicits all kinds of wonderful feelings. And for some of you, when I say the word Pentecost or Pentecostal, your hand automatically goes up in your heart and you're going, oh no, pastor, what? What are we gonna talk about today? Because you maybe have experienced Pentecost maybe in a a negative way or it's left a mark on you or your family or something that you've done in your past. Can, Can I just tell you before we even begin the lessons today and I want you to open up the app and begin to follow along in the notes so that you can understand what we're doing. I want to debunk what it is to be Pentecostal and what Pentecost is all about. But before I even begin to do that, let me just share with you this. The Bible says that God does everything decently and in order. As long as I'm your pastor, we will not allow anything to be done out of order in this sanctuary. We are gonna make sure that we are following what God says in his word, that things are to be done decently and in in, in order. And you can always tell, what is the litmus test when God begins to move, like we just experienced for a few moments here in the, just a couple of minutes ago. When God begins to move, Christ is glorified in the place, amen? But when things begin to, when somebody begins to take that attention upon themselves, then we automatically know that that's not of the Lord. And we're not gonna allow those things to happen in this service. We want God to move, we want the fullness of God, and we want all the things that come with knowing God and being Pentecostal to happen in this service. And I believe in all those things. But my promise to you is that we'll always do things decently and in, in an order. I believe this morning with all of my heart that God is searching for a church that will welcome his presence and become Pentecostal. I believe that what San Diego needs It's not another evangelical church, another church that's Bible-believing. There's a lot of those that are already in existence, many of them of all different sizes. But what God really needs in San Diego is a church that is a Pentecostal church that believes in the power of God to transform lives, that believes enough to believe in the book of, to believe in the Bible that says miracles are still for today, that nothing is too difficult for our God, that God is still able to move in our lives today, that he is not dead, but he's alive, and that he wants to do miracles in your life and reveal himself to you in glorious and new ways, ways each and every day. And if you believe that with me, say amen. amen. And so that's what we want. And if you don't know what it is to be Pentecostal, you may have a false narrative of that. For some of you, being Pentecostal means somebody prays for you when you fall down. You know, that only happened a few times in scripture in 60, in over 2,600 years of recorded history, it only happened a few times. Jesus never taught on, never happened in Jesus' life, never is emphasized in the epistles where Paul wrote, even though he was fully Pentecostal. But that's some of your definition in your mind. That's your working definition of what it is to be Pentecostal. So I want to debunk some of all those things. And I want you to just stay open in heart and mind. And I want us to go back to the word of God and say, where did this term originate from? Where did it come from? Because it's actually an Old Testament term that, that we still use today. In the Old Testament, many times things were a foreshadowing of what God wanted to do in the New Testament. 
And there was, a, there was a festival in the Old Testament that was called the Feast of Pentecost. And that was a foreshadowing of what God wanted to do on the day of Pentecost. And before I get in, I want you to understand a few things is that the term Pentecost is a Greek name. The New Testament is written mostly in Greek of a Jewish feast, as I already alluded to in the Old Testament. Number two, the word Pentecost is a numeric term, means 50. And here's why, because 50 days after Passover, they would celebrate the, pe the feast of Pentecost. So it meant 50 days after Passover, they would have this big celebration, this big festival. The purpose of the feast was to rejoice over the harvest that God had blessed them with. That the harvest had come in and they could see all of the blessing from the harvest and they were to look at all that God had done and say, boy, let's celebrate. Look at the fullness of God. Look at the blessing of God. Let's celebrate this harvest. In fact, the feast of Pentecost was observed over 1,500 times before the, before the book of Acts, Acts chapter two even records the day of Pentecost. And because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit occurred on the feast of Pentecost, which we now call the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter two, 50 days after Passover or 50 days after Easter, then those that began to speak in tongues on that day were, became Pentecostals. Or that because that was the day of Pentecost. Let me go a little bit further in your notes now. There's a, there's a chart. The Feast of Pentecost, it initiated the wheat harvest. We talked about that. But Pentecostal experience, it initiated the harvest of souls. How do you know what happened on the day of Pentecost? It wasn't just about speaking in tongues, was it? People began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. And that is the direct physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But it was more than just that. Peter, who had denied Christ just a few days earlier, stood up with a brand new boldness because the Spirit had come upon him and began to preach the gospel message. And because he spoke about this was what was prophesied by the prophet Joel, that the Spirit will be poured out upon all people, sons and daughters, young and old. He said, this is what you've witnessed today. And this is a testimony of Jesus Christ. And he began to give the gospel message. 3,000 people were added to the church in one day. Think about that. A church of about roughly 120 people is now 3,120 people because of the Spirit of God that came upon them. See, it is a celebration of the harvest of souls. Whenever the Spirit of God is involved in something, it's not about the manifestations or the outward evidence. It is about bringing people to Christ. Feast of Pentecost in your notes is not only celebrated, was celebrated by everyone, but the Pentecostal experience has actually been given to everyone. Meaning you that are here today, you can experience the Pentecostal experience. You can experience what it is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Feast of Pentecost, now in your notes, recognized the prosperity that God had given them. But the Pentecostal experience recognized the power of God falling upon the church. The Feast of Pentecost follows the Passover, but the Pentecostal experience follows salvation. The Feast of Pentecost is a cause of celebration, but the Pentecostal experience is a cause for revival. And church, what we need is revival in our church. Can you say amen? 
We need a revival, a renewal of our soul, of our spirit. We need a revival that brings us back to God and puts ourselves in a place where we begin to pray and we begin to seek God with all of our heart. We need, we need a revival that brings us to our knees where we begin to repent of sin and not only our sin, but the sin of our community, the sin of our nation, like Jeremiah the weeping prophet who prayed over the sins of his nation. We need a power to come upon us that drives us back to a place that says we alone, God, need you. And we have you, we have all that we need. So what's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? I think I need to explain this a little bit because some people get confused about this. They, so they say, well, when I got saved, did I not receive the Holy Spirit? And yes, you did. And that's number one in your notes. When you gave your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit came and he dwelt within you. The Bible says, behold, I stand at the heart's door and knock. And if any man opens his heart's door to me, he said, I will come in, I'll make my home there. When you said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit came and made his home in your life. He took up residence in your life. I had a, an, an, old, an older man who was a, a mentor of mine, and he said that not only should he take up resident, but he should be president of your life. And I've never forgotten that all these years, that not only was he taking up residence in my life, but he became president of my life. Meaning he wasn't just my savior, he was my Lord. He dwelled within who I am. He lives within my being, amen. Number two, the Holy Spirit, one of the purposes to teach us. He's going to teach you. You need a teacher, a counselor. You need someone along the way as that you encounter problems to teach you what God would want you to do in those moments, to not rely upon your own understanding. In fact, the Bible says, do not rely on your own understanding, right? For it leads, to, it leads to destruction, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. It's the spirit of God that helps teach us what is the path of God for our individual lives. Thirdly, it reminds us about the word of God. I love the passage that says that don't be afraid when he's telling the disciples, when you stand in front of kings and magistrates and important people, for when you speak, it will not be you speaking. Well, how could he say that? Because it's the spirit of God that speaks those things through us. God gives us back the, our remembrances. He reminds us of the things that we are to say. He quickens things within us so that we say the right thing at the right time. Number four, it's to convict the world of sin. And can I just say that this should be a lifestyle for the believer? Pause for emphasis. This should be the lifestyle of a believer. That we don't just get convicted of our sin initially and then give our life to Christ, but that we should walk in the freedom of the spirit for who the son sets free is free indeed. For there is love, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. Yes, but I wanna live a life that is close enough to God that God can speak to me and bring conviction into my life where he says, I don't want you to go there. Or that's not, everyone else can do that, but I don't want you to do that. Or that's not a person you should bring into your life. That's not a friendship you, could ha you should have. That God is directing me and bringing conviction into my life because he's guiding and directing me where he wants me to be. I, I remember when I first got called into the ministry the Lord clearly spoke to me and said, I have set you apart. And so you can't do these things. He was very specific. And at first, I, I, I didn't understand why. I didn't find it. I just said, yes, sir. And I began to do those things. But everyone around me that was my age were doing those things. And they necessarily weren't sinful things. But there were things that I needed to remove myself from so that I could grow in the spirit of God and in the word of God, become, become what God wanted me to become. 
So you need to walk in conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's not a one-time event. Number five is guide us into all. Let me just go back a little bit. I think the reason why conviction is so important is because if you don't walk in the conviction of, the, of sin in your life, what will happen is, is you'll have a one-time experience and you'll try to live that one-time experience out over the rest of your entire life. Always looking back to the moment you gave your life to Christ. Can I, can I say something that may be new to you that may even sound a bit awkward? I love the day that Jesus came into my life. That was transformational. But can I tell you something? The greatest days of my life are when I still get to meet with God. And I get to know him more and more and more and better and better and better. And I'm closer and closer and closer. See, that first time I said yes to Jesus, I didn't even know what I was saying yes to. But now when God speaks to my life, I know him and I know his heart. And so you, we need to walk in conviction of sin in our lives. Number five is to guide us into all truth. Jesus said, I'm going to give you the spirit. He's going to guide you into all truth. We'll look at that verse in a moment. Number six, to prophesy what is to come. God says, I'm going to, Jesus, I'm going to give you the spirit and he's going to tell you that which is to come. He's going to prophesy about the future. And number seven, it's to reveal Christ. So as we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want to give you some things that I think in our time together, we'll end with this. But I think it's important for us to understand about Pentecost, this term Pentecost. And who is the person in your notes, the person of Pentecost? It's the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Acts chapter two, it's his great coming out party. Right? I mean, he hadn't yet been revealed. And all of a sudden, they were praying for 50 days and they showed up on this day and the Holy Spirit showed up in a big way. Tongues of fire, wind, all the, you know, all the dramatic effects, right? I mean, it was powerful, right? And it was almost like God saying, boom, here I am. And we need that in our churches today. I remember when I encountered that in my life, it's like, boom, here I am. I'm like, wow, this is something new. This is something glorious. This is something I need in my life. It is empowerment from on high. In Acts 2, verse 4, it says this, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happened? And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God enabled. You'll find this to be a biblical truth that God always evidences what he does. Old Testament, New Testament, God will evidence what he does. He doesn't want you to guess. He wants you to know that it was him behind it. He evidences what he does. And the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues as the Spirit of God enables because he is the person of Pentecost. Jesus said it this way in John 16. Let me break this down a little bit. He said, I have much more to say to you, more than you can even bear now. How would you like for me to come up to the pulpit one day on a Sunday and say, well, I've got so much I need to reveal to you, but you can't understand it right now. Can you imagine the disciples? I think we got, please share it, right? I want to know, what are you talking about? What's happening? Like, what, what do you mean God's put this on your heart? Tell me, pastor, what is it? Reveal it to If he's given it to you, give it to us. But Jesus goes on, he said, but he, the whole, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from for taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is now mine. That is why I said that the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while, you will see me no more. And then, after a little while, you will see me. 
So the Holy Spirit, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's saying, listen, the Holy Spirit is gonna come. The Holy Spirit of truth is gonna come. He's gonna guide you into all truth. He's gonna speak what he hears when he's saying in heaven. He is going to declare, he's gonna glorify me. There's two baptisms for every believer, just so we don't misunderstand this. There's water baptism in your notes. Matthew 28, go and baptize people in the name of the Father, Son of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, if you wanna throw that in, amen, right? It doesn't matter. It's the inward it's the outward symbol of a changed inward thing, of a changed conversion. But there's also, number two, a spirit baptism. See, the Holy Spirit is the agent that baptizes us into Christ. But Christ is the agent that baptizes us into the Spirit. And we need to recognize that the person of Pentecost is the Holy Spirit. And we need this Holy Spirit, the promised one. that God, Jesus said, I'm going to go, but I'm going to leave with you someone else. Who's he going to leave? the Holy Spirit. Number two is the preparation of Pentecost. There is always a season of preparation. At the end of this message, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ and also get filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. But there's always a season of preparation. If your heart is not there, if you're not ready, if you haven't been seeking, if there's things in your life, which we'll talk about in a moment, that you need to repent of, that may not happen today, and that's okay. There's a time of preparation for Pentecost. In Acts chapter one, verse four, it says this. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, talking about Jesus, he gave them this command. It's not a suggestion. He gave them a command. What was it? Do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gifts. Everybody say gift. He's saying, I need you to wait here. I have a gift for you. Now, if Jesus would say, I want you to stay right here at Faith Chapel and don't move until, this, until I bring you this gift, how many of you would stay? If you knew it was God, you'd stick around, right? Look, I think I can cancel those plans. I mean, God's gonna show up. He's gonna hand me a gift. I'm gonna be here to receive it. I wanna receive this gift. And he's telling them, look, I got this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. Now, the disciples might be a little bit, they might not be understanding completely at this moment. Because let's go back a little bit before I finish this verse. Here's the disciples. The disciples had already been sent out a couple of times in twos, and they had experienced success in Jesus' name. They went out and they baptized in Jesus' name. They cast out devils in Jesus' name. They healed the afflicted in Jesus' name. They had seen great signs and wonders in Jesus' name. And then they would come back to Jesus and give a report. Hey, this is what we're doing in your name. And they were like, we were rejoicing over it. And he's like, that's awesome. And they were like, so now Jesus has ascended to the Father. They know that they're to go and make disciples of all nations. They know that's what they're supposed to do. Let's go get it done. No, no, you can't leave here yet. Well, why not? You can't leave. Why can't we? We've already, been in, we've already been sent. We've already been given the command. You've already told us to go make disciples, baptizing them, making, let's go. No, 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 don't leave yet. Why? Because you need to wait for the gift that my father promised. So they recognized there was a promise, which you've heard me speak about. He'd already talked to him about it. Verse five, for John baptized you with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It was so essential that those chosen apostles received the Holy Spirit, that he commanded them not to leave and go do ministry until they were filled with this baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
Church, can I just stop a moment and tell you that I believe that maybe the reason why the church in the Western world, the big C church, the Church of America, is no church that in the Western culture is not as powerful as it needs to be, even though we have all the technology and we have all the program and we have all the leadership and we have all the Bible and we have everything in the span of our hand right here where we can do devotions and we can do everything is because we lack the power of the Holy Spirit. What we really need is the promise from the Father to not go out and do ministry and to not try to do it in our own strength, but to actually wait until we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And if the apostles needed that, who had already experienced God's blessing upon their ministry, and if they needed it, how many of you believe that we need that even all the more in the world that we live in today? Can you say amen? We need this promise, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So how did Jesus help them? He talked about this before, Luke chapter 24, when he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And this really stood out to me today. Some people today in the church, their minds need to be open to this. They've been taught dogmatically or theologically that this is wrong, that this isn't for today. It stopped in the book of Acts or it stopped after the apostles' death. It's no longer a part of the church. Can I tell you that that is absolutely unequivocally false? That we cannot quote in our wedding ceremonies, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, as being this love chapter and how much we love that without recognizing at the beginning where Paul says, though I speak in the tongues of men and angels. He's talking about having being filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We can't acknowledge that that's the love chapter and that we are all about love and God's about love. We don't acknowledge chapter 12 and chapter 14 on both sides of it that says, here's the gifts of the spirit, which I'm giving to the church. And one of those gifts is the gift of tongues. So church, can I just ask you to maybe let God open our minds to this today? Let's put aside our theological differences and let's just go back to the Bible and let's say, what, what's the Bible have to say? Remember, we're gonna do everything decently and in order. I don't know what your experience is, but I'm gonna say, we're gonna do things decently and in order. But we need to have our minds and our hearts open so we can understand the scriptures. Verse 46, and he told them this. This is what was written, that Christ will suffer rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sin will be preached in his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. And he's telling him this is, this is gonna happen. It hadn't yet happened. You are witnesses of all these things. I am going to send you what my father promised. What did the father promise? What did we learn in Acts? He promised what? The Holy Spirit. He said, you're, you've been baptized in water. That was John. But I, in a few days, you're going to receive the promise of the Father and you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he said, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised you. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. What was he saying? He said, you cannot go out and do ministry until you've received this power from on high. This is what's going to help you. This is what's going to get you through persecution. This is what's going to get you through times of loneliness. This is what's going to get you through the times when you, when you lack understanding. This is what's going to give you that unction that you need to get through the life that we live today. When we're surrounded by people that don't understand the Christian faith or don't even understand God and have no understanding that God wants to be a part of their life. In fact, we live in a world today that's anti-God. Amen? 
And we need, to, we need to be infused with this power in order to make this happen in our lives. Before you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need to understand you have to be saved. He was talking to believers. You've got to rid yourself of any known sin, and then you have to wait patiently on the Holy Spirit's timing. I remember when I first encountered this gift that God wanted me to have, and I had not yet received it. I was so excited to receive this that I went to work, and I was working in retail sales, and it was in clothing, and I would go into one of the, in one of the dressing rooms. I would shut the door and say, God, just film me right now. Right now, just right now. And how you know, that would probably be completely inappropriate for me to open the door, walk out, and start speaking in tongues to all the customers. I mean, that would be inappropriate. And because God does things decently ordered, he did not do it that way. But in God's timing, I was at home at midnight and I was hungry for God and I was hungry to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I've been seeking it for a number of weeks and I just pushed my head back in the pillow after listening to a sermon twice through on how to receive the Holy Spirit. And I said, God, I'm gonna open my mouth. The next thing that's gonna come out of it is going to be my heavenly language. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. And God filled me right there in my own room with nobody praying for me with the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it is a gift from God and we cannot earn it, but he just gives it to us. We have to realize we can't earn it. Have you ever received a gift that was maybe too expensive and you felt uncomfortable receiving it? Where somebody gave it to you, opened it up, and you said, oh, I can't. You know, I just can't receive this. And this is too nice, or this is too much, or this, this costs too much, and you wanted to give it back. Some of you are going, heck no, I want it. No. <laughs> they gave it to me, I took it, amen. I see your heart, it's okay, they gave it to you. But you might understand what I'm talking about here is that we don't really deserve this gift. But God said, I want you to have this gift. You can't earn it. And then we need to pray until we, until we have a deep desire to be filled with a welling up, until there's this welling up within our spirit that says, that says now's the time. He said, what's this welling up all about? Well, it's what Jesus talked about in John 7. He said, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up in a loud voice. He was a loud preacher. I like that. Amen. And if anyone is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow within him. And you might be going, what is that all about? What does that even mean? And he thought that maybe they wouldn't understand it either. So he went on to say, by this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him, meaning they're already believers, would later to receive. Who? Those apostles in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And up to that time, here's what happened. Up to that time, the spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Number three, the power of Pentecost. We're almost done. Stay with me. The power of Pentecost. I'll be quick here. Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power after that which the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost has come upon you. That word power means inherent power, a residing power. It is a power for miracles, a moral power, an excellence of soul. But if we're gonna be excellent of soul, we need this empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Number four, lastly, is the purpose of Pentecost. Yes, it's power for service. Yes, it increases the fruit of the Spirit in the life of a believer. But the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to bring about a powerful witnessing through your life and to bring you closer into the presence of God. I love what scripture says, that when I pray in my mind, my mind is, when I pray from my mind, my mind is fruitful, meaning I understand what I'm saying. 
But when I pray in the spirit, even though my mind is unfruitful, Paul tells us you are praying the very will of God. Can I tell you, there have been many times where I didn't understand what was happening this past year during this pandemic. There are times when people look to me for leadership, for guidance and direction, and I didn't have it in my own mind, my own strength, my own ability. There are times where I've encountered things in my own personal life, and I said, God, what is going on? I don't understand, and I did not know how to pray. Anybody felt that you were down so low you didn't know the words to pray? It's in those moments that I can pray in my prayer language to God, and I can begin to pray in the Spirit, and the Spirit of God will come upon me. And he will bring things into remembrance. He'll bring things out and he'll bring things in through my spirit and through my heart to remembrance into my mind. And he will pick me up, if you will, spiritually and prop me up and empower me afresh and anew. And that's why I say for those of you that are here and you are filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, make this a part of your daily prayer life. It's not a one-time experience it should be looked upon as a lifetime to be lived. See, so many times we've made it out to be as Pentecostals. We made it to, you got saved, great, come forward. Oh, you got the Holy Spirit, you're done. You've, you're welcome, welcome to the club. Your membership card's on the back table, pick it up on your way out. And we've made it about the experience. Can I, can I tell you, it is an incredible experience but it's not a one-time event. It's a lifestyle of praying in the spirit and coming into the presence of God and being able to capture the mind of Christ, being able to pray in the will of God. Our human ability has always been an essential part in the unfolding plan of God. There, there, is, there is obvious blending of God's sovereign will and purpose and person's availability. And so what I'm asking you to do today is to be available to say, yes, I need this gift. I haven't, I don't have it. Or maybe, maybe you need to be filled again because the Bible says to be filled. And that passage is a, is an ongoing, be filled and continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can keep in step with the Holy Spirit. For the baptism of the Holy Spirit operates only with human availability. While the gift is supernatural in, in both source and operation, it requires a willing and obedient heart. So, so I'm gonna ask you, and those of you who are watching at home, I believe that God is with you as well. But I wanna ask you, how many of you, how many of you really are hungry for this gift that God wants you to have? See, Pastor, do I need it to go to heaven? No, you don't need it to go to heaven, but why would you want to live the rest of your life without this gift that's going to make it easier for you to plug into the things of God, to the power of God, to the purposes of God, to the will of God, to the voice of God? Why would you want to live without it? Why would you want to leave any gift ungiven that the master has for you? And so I'm just going to ask if you're here and you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're watching from home, I believe you can be filled even just watching at home. But I believe that you need to at least begin to seek after this morning here in your life. And maybe you've been filled before and you need a fresh touch from God. Now's the time to begin to focus on that. I'm going to ask you, we're going to sing this song that I believe is going to bring the presence of the Lord in this place. And 
And I'm gonna ask you in the final minutes that we have, would you stand to your feet? and Let's make this a moment of worship. As we begin to prepare our hearts for maybe what God has for you today, the gift of the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, yes. But let's begin, can you close your eyes right where you are? And if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, would you just begin to pray in that heavenly language that God's baptized you in? And, and if you haven't been, would you just move this as a moment to say, God, I, I hunger and thirst for you. I wanna be filled with your spirit today. Seek the gift and not the giver this morning and let God do something in your life right now. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelsd.com or any social media platform at faithchapelsd. See you real soon.